In today's show, we're looking at the winners and the losers from the NBA draft and the NBA offseason so far. It's very, very early. We're still going to talk about it. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So we've done some draft recap stuff, Dynasty Rookie Ranks. Now we're looking at winners and losers. Now, I know there is going to be someone who either comments or thinks this. No, I'm not calling the players losers. Sometimes when I'll say this guy's not very good, well, he has to be good, Josh. He plays in the NBA. Yeah, I know that. It is all very relative, as is the term winner and loser. These people might be losers. I don't know. But in terms of what it means for their fantasy value, I am downgrading their status. So let's just call them losers in that regard. Now, this is very, very early. We're doing this before free agency, and it's not going to include rookies. I'm not here to talk about, well, this guy is a winner in the draft because he went to this position. Because in general, we're going to get three or four relevant fantasy rookies for redraft this season. And in Dynasty, the situation doesn't really matter that much. We're more banking on talent versus system immediately, or team, or fit, or any of that stuff. This is more for the players who are impacted by moves at the draft, impacted by trades that have happened. There's been about four of them so far. And just impacted by the situations going on in the NBA. Now, this will be updated after free agency because a lot's going to change. But just to give you an idea of where things sit currently with players and the impact that has been had, I think, it gives me a way to talk about a trade that did go down yesterday as well, where John Collins went to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. Um... I'll give you my quick thoughts. Oh, no, I won't. We'll, we'll, we'll um, fold it in to the whole show. So we're going to be talking about that. Winners and losers. We've got a couple of things to talk about in the show tomorrow. I don't actually know what I'm going to do. So we'll find a show to do for tomorrow. But what do you think? Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Let's start by looking at some winners. And the first guy that I have on my list as a winner is actually Rashawn Holmes. Now, Rashawn Holmes was a player that was involved in a deal on draft day. He went from a situation where he was completely buried in Sacramento, not only behind DeMontis Sabonis, but they even moved Trey Lyles to the backup center spot ahead of him. Now, Holmes was a very good fantasy player for a few years there, and he has undoubtedly dropped off since then. But he moves to a team that just doesn't really have much going on at center, the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I'm not under any circumstance suggesting that Holmes is the same player he was three years ago or is going to reach those heights again. But I would say he has a real chance as a pick-and-roll, rim-running sort of big man who can play defense at times and is more offensively talented than the incumbent Dwight Powell. He's a real chance to come in there and be the starting center. The, the, the opponents for that position or the competition for that position is Dwight Powell, who is like fine legendary, lifelong Maverick, who they always just seem to go back to because other guys disappoint. And that might be the case again. JaVale McGee, one of the worst signings of last free agency. 
And yeah, not a factor. And rookie Derek Lively, who I don't think they're going to chuck out there as a 25-minute a night starting center immediately. I like Lively, but I don't think it's going to happen. So Holmes, I would guess at this point, has to be close to the favorite to be the starting center. They don't like starting Muxy Kleber at center, but they might, but I don't think they will. But I think Holmes is going to be the favorite there. So even if he's not necessarily a fantasy-relevant player this season, Rashawn, he is a winner because it boosts his chances. He had no hope in Sacramento of doing anything, none. And now he moves to Dallas with a chance to be a starter, minimum 20 minutes, maybe 27, and maybe be a top 100 player. That's a huge W. And I don't know if many people are going to think about that come fantasy draft time. And of course, this could all be blown up in five days' time when the Mavs make a trade and DeAndre Ayton is their starting center. Don't know how they do it, but yeah, something like that could happen. But at this point, with how things sit, Rashawn Holmes is a pretty sizable winner, I think, from the transactions that have happened so far. In Atlanta, there are three winners. I don't know which one is the biggest winner at this point, but there are three winners because John Collins is gone and Rudy Gay came back and Rudy Gay is not a part of it. So I would hope, and I've talked about this and I've talked about this in the Hawks season review show, that, hey, if John Collins gets moved, let's keep an eye on Jalen Johnson because I think he's going to be good. And John Collins has now moved. Now, my worry is that Quinn Snyder will go, okay, we're going to start Sadiq Bay there, which I think is a mistake. I think Bay is bad. I think he is a guy that looks flashy at times because he'll have big scoring games. But overall, the inconsistency, the lack of defense, the lack of shooting is a real problem for me for, for Sadiq Bay. So he's a winner, still the depressed penis. But I, I would be looking at Jalen Johnson. Now, they could be some really interesting things. that I don't think the Hawks are finished. I think DeAndre Hunter's a real chance to be moved as well. And if that happens then all three of those Hawks players on this list, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, and Sadiq Bay, all have chances to jump way up. I think they have to look at Griffin as a starter on this team very, very soon. And I think that ideally, I would think that Griffin and Johnson would be their three and the four starters in future years. But yes, Bay is a little bit complicating of that situation. But they're all winners because Collins is gone. He's 28 to 30 minutes a night. He's not there anymore. No, I don't think this impacts Anikara Conwell and Clickapella. They just don't play those guys together, and I don't think they're going to start doing that. It's going to be, yeah, regardless of if Bay, Bay's had plenty of opportunities at starters minutes, and we all know that he was a very substandard fantasy player. So while he is a winner now in terms of role going from John Collins' backup to maybe the starter, that doesn't mean he's a great fantasy option. We have seen it before. But what it does mean is that if someone like AJ Griffin starts at the three and Hunter at the four, or Hunter is dealt and Griffin starts, or even if nothing happens and Collins is just out of the mix, there are more minutes for Griffin, there are more minutes for Bay, there are more minutes for Johnson. And at some point, those guys who I think are more talented, Griffin and Johnson, should be able to push into extra minutes. And they, at this early stage, they're looking like interesting later round flyer type players. It's a really interesting spot for them to be in. The other one who I think is a winner, and I do have more winners coming up, another one who I think is a winner is Johnny Kaminga in Golden State. And why, you might ask? Because they didn't trade him yet, and they didn't do anything to address any big man situation. They didn't draft a center. They didn't draft a forward. They didn't make a trade for a forward. They didn't do anything. So it, it, there was a lot of rumors that he might be on his way to the Pacers, um, which would have been great for him as well. And well, yes, he is still stuck behind Andrew Wiggins, behind Draymond Green. He is still stuck there, for sure. Heading into year three for Kaminga, heading into a situation where they still they didn't get bigger, they got smaller by bringing in Pajemski and not bringing in another bigger. Yes, Trace Jackson Davis. I think that it's a very, it's a tentative win for Kaminga. He's 
still there. He's still getting valued. No one was brought in ahead of him. I, I think it's a win. I don't know that he's going to be draftable. And look, this could be a huge win for Kaminga if, say, Draymond does leave in free agency. I don't think it'll happen. But if Draymond does leave, then Kaminga's going to be a starter. And the fact that he wasn't moved off of means I think there's got to be some level of doubt with Draymond or what they're doing with John. I don't know. I, I put him as a tentative winner. And you might not agree with that, and that's totally okay. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy, but it's not daily fantasy with salary caps or thousands of people going up. If, playing for the same price, but it's you versus their player projections. Now, whether it is in baseball, which is currently running now, or basketball, and you've got your points and your rebounds or your assists or steals or blocks in baseball, I'm assuming they're doing hits and Ks and uh, home runs and RBIs and all those sort of things. They set a number and you look at it and you go more or less. And you do between two to six individual players. You can do cross-sport as well. And you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. As I said, you do baseball. You can't do college baseball anymore because the World Series is over. Congratulations to LSU. You can do MMA. You can do golf. You can do disc golf. You can do boxing. You can do um, European basketball. That's over at the moment. Cricket. You can do that. WNBA is there on Prize Picks too. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, let's look at another bunch of winners. Let's go to Boston. Maximum Derek. You would have to expect that their starting point guard on opening night at this stage is Derek White. Marcus Smart is gone. Malcolm Brogdon's injured, although he should be right for opening night. White should be in a situation where there was a lot of criticism from me and from others that White would get benched in the fourth quarter, not play a single second despite being their third best player all season. Well, now we've got a chance for him to play 33, 34 minutes a night every night. There is no Marcus Smart there. The player that replaced him is Porzingis, obviously. But I don't think there's going to be many situations where they go onto the court without either White or Brogdon out there. And they run, you know, Pusingas, Williams, Horford, Tatum, Brown together. I don't think that's going to happen that much. This is a huge boon, I think, for Derek White. Now, I had someone as soon as this trade went down, man, do we take Derek White in the top 50? Like, no, we don't do that. I don't know where he's going to come out, but that seems really early. And White was amazing last year in staying healthy, something he had never been able to do before. So don't look at that as a guarantee that he's going to be healthy. You know the rules. Just because you're healthy one year doesn't mean you're healthy the next. That's not how it works. White's role is going to be better. It's going to be more secure, and I'm interested in it. But I'm also interested in his teammate, Peyton Pritchard. I talked about Pritchard on the Celtics season review, and some people were pretty critical of the way that I did. I say hyped up Peyton Pritchard. I said I think he can be an interesting player that if found the right situation, he could be a fantasy-relevant guy. He's not there yet. But after requesting a trade last season, not getting it, the situation has opened up. There is no Marcus Smart, so he probably moves into a rotation spot there. If Brogdon is hurt again, he could easily be a backup. I think he can play next to Derek White. The shooting becomes important. The passing on a team that's the worst passing team in the NBA becomes important. He's at at the very least a guy that goes from out of the rotation to being in the rotation. And that's a win. They didn't draft a point guard. They traded back from 25 where Marcus Sasser went and ended up with Jordan Walsh. So I would expect that they are thinking that Pritchard is a part of their nightly rotation. I don't think it's going to make him a standard league player, but we're getting closer to at least sniffing that area. Terry Rogier, I think, is a winner. Tell you why. 
Because if they drafted Scoot Henderson there, he was out. He was done. He was cooked. He was either getting benched, getting reduced, or getting traded. And that didn't happen. So you would expect opening night, Terry Rozier is the starter for the Charlotte Hornets. Yes, they did draft two guards, Nick Smith and Amari Bailey. Yes, they do have James Booknight still. But players that picked in the late 20s, early 40s, and shit lottery picks aren't really a real challenge here for Rozier. So while... I don't think Rogier is going to be a long-term standard league guy. I think for this year, with the fact that Miller was drafted and not Scoot, and Rogier will probably still have a higher usage than Miller as a rookie, almost no doubt about that. And he's going to be squeezed, Terry, for sure, because you're probably getting Miles Bridges back and you're getting Brandon Miller there. I think it does help him from where it could have been a bad situation for Rogier, and it turns into a less good situation than last year, but definitely a win than what we thought it could have been. That's why I've included him as a winner. I also think, and I don't, you know, this is not because I like the player necessarily, but I think Isaiah Stewart's a winner. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. The Pistons made draft picks. Yep, they did. They picked Asar Thompson, which I, I do like them taking Asar at that position. I think he's talking to you. But, yeah, I would have had Asar there to them because, yeah, I, I think he's a good player. But if they had have drafted Jarris Walker or they had have drafted Taylor Hendricks, it would have been terrible news for Isaiah Stewart because long-term, he was not going to be their starting power forward. Now, he still shouldn't be their starting power forward. And maybe they go with Cade, Ivy, Thompson, Bogdanovich, and Stewart comes off the bench, which, until they get rid of Bogdanovich, is actually the best move for this team. But they probably won't do that. And for as misguided as I think Troy Weaver is, nearly all of the time, the fact that he, they, they didn't replace... Stewart with another forward. There's no power forward there. I don't, fingers crossed, that I don't think they're going to go Wiseman and Duran together or Bagley and Wiseman or whatever nonsense combination of shitful centers, Duran not included, that they can put together. I don't think they do that. So I would expect, free agency notwithstanding, that Stewart has withstood one of the challenges and that was getting a power forward drafted over him. So he is, at this stage, Locked in as the power forward. Not locked in. He's placed in as the power forward. Now, you know my usual thing when talking about dynasty or talking about player values. My statement, I don't know how to best qualify this or how we can best frame the, the term, but it's it's the are you set test. So you look at Isaiah Stewart and you look at the Pearsons and you see him at power forward and you go, all right, we're set at power forward. And the answer, or are we set at power forward? And the answer is like, God, no, absolutely not. So they should always be looking to upgrade it. But the fact that he passed one test there in terms of the draft, means that there is some misguided level of hope for Stewart. So he is a winner in that regard, much like Rogier. There was a chance for him to be marginalized, and he wasn't. That makes it a win. We come back next week, and they've made a play, and they've re-signed Jeremy Grant, then Stewart's done. He's cooked. Or they trade by Bogdanovich, and his value rises even further. There's a lot that can still happen. We'll go to all the Wizards. Because a lot of guys gain value. Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Denny Avdia, Daniel Gafford, John Davis, and Corey Kispert. Now, I say all of those names also just to advise you that that's six players, I think, if I can count. Yeah. They all can't start. And that doesn't even include Bilal Kalabali, who is going to be really intriguing to watch at Summer League. So Jordan Poole's value is through the roof. He's going to hurt your field goals a lot, but he's probably going to average... Look, if he averaged 27 with six assists, don't be shocked. And his elite free throws makes him awesome. 
Tyus Jones is probably going to be their starter, although Monte Morris and Dylan Wright are still there, and we don't know how that's going to play out. There's a lot still to happen with the Wizards. But Jones goes for, for from a half-season starter to probably a full-season starter. I would expect that Avdia is their starting power forward. And they did not draft one. They could have taken Taylor Hendricks or Jarris Walker, which would have made me less bullish on Avdia, but they didn't. So Avdia is their starting power forward at this point. Now, this team and this front office has no um, no reason to be married to what Avdia can do. They didn't draft him. And we know he still has limitations with shooting percentages. But in the games where he was placed into a larger role, he always played better. And I think this is a good spot for him. Dan Gafford, Pulsingas is gone. He's going to have to play 28 a night. This is, he's a clear top 100 fantasy player. And then there's Johnny Davis and Corey Kispert. I expect that Kispert will start at the three between Avdia and Poole, but that is also Kalabali's position. Davis, don't, Davis gets a bump because he was shithouse and out of the rotation, but he's at least a rotation player now. But there's still a lot of things to happen there. And I don't think that Kispert, who probably starts, but usage will be low. And the reason he was able to put up okay numbers at the end of last season was Big minutes, huge minutes, and good usage. And those two things won't happen. But there's still a battle there between Davis, Kispert, and Calabali as to who grabs that fifth starting spot at the moment for the Washington Wizards. Still a lot to happen there as well. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Game Time app. If you're looking for tickets, you might be looking for tickets to Las Vegas Summer League. And if you are, I'll see you there. I'm there for the first three days. So if you do happen to see me there, come and see me. And you might be able to get those tickets straight off the Game Time app. Flash deals, last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for whatever event you are looking for. They push those flash sales and go, oh, man, something's happening tonight. What's going on? Should we go to it? Whether it's concerts, theater, musicals, comedy, sporting events, Game Time has everything there for you. You don't even have to plan months in advance. Just look on the app and see what's available and get there right now. They also have... Their game time guarantee, meaning you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code LockedOnNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LockedOnNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's go and uh, talk about some losers. Let's go to Utah. We talked about John Collins heading across to Utah and the impact. I, you know, I had John Collins on my winner list and I don't even really think I talked about him that much. That's an L from me. That maybe puts me on the loser list. Let's talk about him now. I think that John Collins moves in there and starts at power forward. No problem at all. I know that people will be like, man, now that means I have to play Lowry at the three. Yeah, like they did all of last season and all of the year before that. And while I actually still think that Lowry at the four is better for the team, that doesn't change what Lowry did last season. It also doesn't, as many people have asked me, I don't think, impact Walker Kessler. I don't think that the impact on Kessler, well, now they've got to give these minutes to Collins and Linux, so Kessler's going to get impacted. I think Markkinen and Kessler are really, really safe. And I think what Collins does is he steps in and he plays the 29 minutes, 30 minutes a night that Kelly Linux was playing. The loser is Linux. He's already on like a partial guaranteed deal. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's a pretty good player. And I think in terms of fit, Linux makes sense because he can shoot and pass and two things Collins can't do. But Collins does have a really strong ability to be a very good offensive rebounder and generate second chance points that way. And he is overall, overall in a vacuum, a better player. Whether he fits better, I don't know. Linux was a draftable player last season. That was a W when you picked him late. I just don't think it's going to be the case. And I think he moves into a backup four, backup five role. This also really, really hurts the this season impact of Taylor Hendricks. 
I know there'll be people, like you see Jazz people, Jazz beat reports, nah, man, Hendrick's still going to get his minutes. There's only so many minutes he can get. There's only 96 minutes available at the four and the five. And if Collins plays 30 and Kessler plays 30, that gives 36 minutes to split between Alinek and Hendricks. And that's not even including any minutes that market and plays at the four. So it's, I don't want to count Hendricks as a loser here because he wouldn't have been draftable most likely anyway in standard leagues, but this obviously hurts a lot more. Now, things are going to change. Maybe Olenek is moved off and then that gives Hendricks an ability to play 18 to 20 minutes a night. And initially, I thought that Olenek would start, Olenek would get traded mid-season and Hendricks would start the last 30 games of the year. Part of the reason why I've got Olenek's teammates, Taylor Horton Tucker and Oshai Baji on the loser list is the acquisition of Collins suggests to me and Utah beat writers they are not tanking. They are saying, all right, we've got our piece here in Markkinen. We've got a very good coach. We've got our defensive anchor. We've got bunches of draft picks coming in. We tried to be bad last year and we were too good. And we had to actually just sit blokes down to actually lose some games. I think they're in. I think they are trying to push back for the playoffs this season. The acquisition of Collins, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to get him. And the only reason you do it, I know it's an asset that you got for nothing, but it makes them better. And making them better, what that also means to me is that the man on the street, Jordan Clarkson. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. He is way more likely to return now. I thought if they were going to tank again, have another development season, that Clarkson wouldn't come back. So the fact that they get John Collins means the chances to me of Clarkson re-signing go up. And that means that no more developmental minutes for Taylor Horton Tucker. It should be Sexton and Clarkson as the one and the two, I would guess. And Horton Tucker was okay at the end of the year, but he was outplayed by Chris Dunn. Like, he's not that good. And Oshag Baji only started to play well when Jordan Clarkson was out. And again, if you've got Sexton, Clarkson, Markkinen, Collins, Kessler, then Obaji doesn't have the opportunity to start and doesn't have the opportunity to elevate his game. Now, I don't think he's very good anyway, and I think he's highly, highly overrated. But this is... Well, they... And... and they also drafted two guards with Bryce Sensibor, who I think is better than Abaji, and Keontae George, who I think is better than Abaji as well. So getting those two guys in, increasing the chances that Clarkson re-signs by adding John Collins means that Horton Tucker and Abaji, and even Chris Dunn, guys who played well at the end of last season, are in real strife in terms of putting up numbers that improve on that, I think. I think for the San Antonio Spurs, I think Keldon Johnson is a loser. Whose horse is that? And I'll tell you the why why I think that. Is that they drafted Victor Wembanyama. Awesome. Love Victor Wembanyama. Great player. We know this. Where does Keldon Johnson fit in? And you know that I've always offered that. The question again, are you set? Are you happy with Keldon Johnson as your number one player? Absolutely not. You're not. You, you aren't. And the only reason he became useful for points leagues last year was just huge volume. And I just don't think he's going to have that volume. And we try and work their lineup out. We don't know yet. Are they going to bring back Trey Jones? Because they don't have any other point guards. So their starters will be Wembenyama, I think Zach Collins, Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, and then probably Trey Jones. You could argue that Keldon should start, but over who? Vassell? Should he start over Sohan? Should he start over Trey Jones and they have zero point guards running the offense? Should he start over Zach Collins and you put Wembenyama as the starting center straight away? I, I, if you are on the pro Keldon train, and I am very obviously not a fan of Keldon Johnson being a winning contributor 
as a starter, as your second, third best player. I don't think it works. I don't think he is that good. I know this. And I know he's on this great, oh man, he's on such a good contract. That's cool. He's on a great contract. Doesn't mean he has to play. But who does he start over? Wemby? Sohan? Vassell? A point guard? Or a center? And I think the answer should be none of those players. You could easily say Wemby goes at the five, Sohan four, Johnson three, Vassell two. Easy. But I am pretty sure they don't want Wembenyama at the five. You could also say Sohan's our full-time point guard. And then we get Keldon, Vassell, Wembenyama, and Collins. That's fine. But honestly, do you think Sohan's a full-time point guard? Look, not even close. So I don't know where the hell Keldon fits. Maybe it is Sohan that gets benched. Highly doubt it. Maybe it is Vassell that gets benched. Very much doubt it. So... Somebody is going to lose out somewhere there. It could be Zach Collins. And I think Zach Collins is a little bit of a loser here because while I don't think Wembenyama will start at center, it does impact Collins's rim protection numbers and even just his overall minutes. I don't think he's going to be playing 33 a night. He might play 29 a night because Wembenyama is there. But I am... And maybe... Am I just a Keldon Johnson hater? Probably. But when you sit and look at it, who does he start over Sohan? Does he start over Vassell? They're the questions you've got to ask because the other spot is a point guard and the other spot is a center. And I don't think Wembenyama will start at center and I don't think Sohan will start at point guard. So where does Kelden fit? I don't know. And when you are building your team for the future, I don't think you want to say we are set at the wing with Kelden Johnson. I don't think so. But again, I just don't think he's very good. Simple stuff in terms of how I view it. I think Gordon Hayward's a loser. Not only is Brandon Miller play his position, but Miles Bridges is probably returning as well. And I would be stunned if Hayward is playing starters minutes this season. I think this is all relatively obvious. He was shit house last season anyway. He's injured. He's older. And now two other players come in at his position. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, now PJ Washington might not return and Bridges plays exclusively at the four. But Brandon Miller's still there. So while Rogier was a winner because they didn't draft the guard, Hayward's got to be a loser because, you know, Brandon Miller comes in. I don't think we need to debate that one too much. I think Gary Trent's a loser up in uh, Toronto. Now, I've just got to remember where my nice Gary sound is. Is it this one? Nice, Gary! It is. Gary Trent opted in to his player option, which usually means, yeah, the market doesn't love you. That's usually what it means. Because if you are a good player and you've got a good market out there, you will nearly every time decline that player option and sign for more money and more security. And he didn't. So that's a worry. And the prime penis, the you know, S-tier schlong, old the Wizard of Oz himself, Dorothy Legend, grade A dick, was drafted. And grade A dick is a shooter. And yes, it's good to have two shooters, but Gary Trent is just so, he's undersized, he can't handle, he doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass, he gambles a lot. Nick Nurse isn't there, so we'll see what that means for his system. I think it's bad news that they draft another shooter. And it's bad news for his overall value that he had to opt into his contract. And while Dick may not start over Trent this season, there's still a lot of question marks with this team. Do they make Scotty Barnes their full-time point guard and Trent starts there? Like We saw what happened when Trent was moved to the bench last season. He lost all value. I'm not expecting Dick to start over Trent necessarily, but it's another player. And part of the appeal was Trent was like, who else is shooting on this team? That was part of the appeal of him. And now we do have someone else who can shoot, which I think reduces his value. Dwight Powell, well, I talked about him already with Rashawn Holmes. Dwight Powell is just hopefully not going to be a starter. Easy. Chris Duarte and Aaron Neesmith. Chris Duarte, they drafted his replacement, I guess, in Ben Shepard. And Aaron Neesmith was getting a ton of minutes playing the four, and that's all going to go to Jarris Walker. Duarte was a guy that you know that I am, 
I want to say famously because I'm not famous. Um, but I very much down on him as a, as a player, as a prospect, as a draft pick. I think it was a waste. And so far, I think that has played out. And now they do have Shepard in there. There's Heald there. There's Mather in there. Does he even play? Probably not. Will Shepard be a rotation guy? I don't know. Maybe not. But I think there's Halliburton. There is Nempard. There is Heald. There is Matherin, who are all clearly headed to Duarte. And then they brought in another guard. Don't care that they brought in Mojave King, who's going to be a two-way guy, or Isaiah Wong. That doesn't matter. But the other guys replace him. And then, yeah, Neesmith, who I thought, again, was bad, Played a lot at power forward last year, and he won't do that. I could have also chucked Sticks on this list, who played some power forward, Jalen Smith. And with Jarris Walker there, he's uh, going to hurt as well. And then we go to the last group of losers on this list. Let's go to uh, Houston. I would have to say that Kevin Porter Jr. is a massive loser. The reason being, Kevin Porter Jr., I have been down on him for years. But I also said that he had actually a pretty good season. He improved significantly last season. I thought he was stepped it up and was probably their second best player behind Shengun. Big improvements. But they drafted Amen Thompson. Okay. They are constantly in the rumors for getting James Harden or Fred Van Vliet. And all of those guys play the same position as Kevin Porter. Now, I think that Amen can coexist with Porter and Green because either Amen or Porter, they've got the size to play the three. But they also... St- still have Tari Eason, and they drafted Cam Whitmore that can theoretically play the three as well. And when you just hear every moment, we're looking to upgrade point guard, we're looking to upgrade point guard, we need a point guard, we need a point guard. That's pretty bad news. So Porter had a great opportunity with good usage and big minutes last season. And even if they don't bring in another point guard, the fact that a man Thompson is there is going to hurt Kevin Porter. And KJ Martin was their starter at the three after Eric Gordon left and... You've got a new coach, so does he still believe in KJ, who asked for a trade last season anyway? There's Cam Whitmore, and I don't think Whitmore will be a starter immediately, but at some point, you've got to give Eason a crack. You have to. And that is bad news for KJ Martin. Everything that's played out so far is bad news. I think it is bad news for old mate Lou Dort as well. No, my son is also named Bort. Now, I preach relatively consistently on this show that you always got to pay attention to what you're listening to, what you're reading, what sort of biases are out there. I talk about it all the time, how big games get highlighted by your Legion Hoops or NBA Central or House of Highlights or whatever, and people love talking about it. Yet, when the player has two points on one of nine shooting the next day, it's absolutely crickets, and you never hear about it. Or, yeah, Jimmy, playoff Jimmy, how awesome was he? Yeah, you know what? His stats were actually worse than they were in the regular season. He played like seven more minutes, and his overall numbers were either equivalent or worse, right? But you don't hear about that. You hear about the narrative games because he scored 50 and one against Milwaukee. Not to hate on Jimmy. Am I a generational Jimmy Butler hater? Not really. I just think that some of the um, narratives go too far. Where I'm trying to drive all of this is that it happens a bit with Lou Dort, but also check the source, with me telling you that Lou Dort is a loser because I don't think Lou Dort is a starting caliber NBA player. He's the worst finisher at the rim in the entire NBA. He's overrated defensively, very good, but overrated. People act like he is the best defender in the NBA, and I don't think he is. He is Midwest Dylan Brooks. He takes too many shots that he shouldn't. He can't finish. He can't shoot. He can't pass. And now this team has Shea Gildas-Alexander. Check. They have Josh Giddy. They have the Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country. Let's ride. They have Chet Holmgren. So while Lou Dort might be a starter, they also now have Kaysan Wallace. And those of you who don't know what that song is, it's called Kaysan. So that's where the, the Kaysan Wallace comes from. But it's also sung by the same bloke 
who sings the Barnsley scream. My point here is that as soon as Jalen Williams was drafted last season, I went, yeah, look, guys, give it two months and Williams is going to be ahead of this guy. I thought that Williams, and that was when I, before I knew that Chet was going to be hurt, and I thought that Jalen would just start over Lou Dort. He ended up starting next to Lou Dort, but I'm just not a big Dort guy, and I don't think that you can be a super winning team when he's playing 33 minutes. Well, now they can go Wallace, Shea, Giddy, Bronco, Chet. That's your best five players. So bringing in Case and Wallace, who might not start immediately, and Dort still might be okay. He won't be. He won't be okay. He'll be bad. Check your sources. I'm biased against him. I don't think he's very good. Um, I think it's just bad for him that another player came in and there's just no, he's just not a lock for being there. And if you're trading up to get a guy like Kaysen, they traded up to get an Usman Jeng last season. Not that I think Jeng's coming for his minutes, but all these guys mean that Dort becomes more expendable. So I think he's a loser. Trey Mann also, who I don't think is an NBA caliber player, uh, just getting Kaysen Wallace in there absolutely cooks his future, I think. We go to Orlando. They made two draft picks. I didn't love them. They could turn out okay. I didn't love them. Anthony Black. Mr. Black. And Jed Howard. Both of those guys are guards. That is bad news for Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Mark Fultz. Now, I think Mark Fultz is a very good starting NBA point guard and will start over Anthony Black without any concern at all. I don't think you can start Black next to Fultz. So someone, either Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, or Cole Anthony, probably Suggs, still probably opens the season as the starter. I think ideally they'd love Jet Howard's size and shooting there, but I don't think he'll be the starter. But overall, just adding a guy in there on that team, Fultz, Suggs, Anthony, all right, those three guys, plus Black, plus Howard, plus Gary Harris. Yeah, there's too many names. There's too many names. And you don't invest the number six overall pick if you don't expect him to be your starter moving forward. So something is going to happen to Fultz. Now, if I'm another team and I... I think I drafted Cole Anthony in a dynasty startup at like 110 in a draft a couple of weeks ago. I think he's a little bit like Kobe White, that it just he just needs, a team needs to come in there and say, we'll give you a late first, the Spurs. The Spurs brought Cole Anthony in to be their starting point guard. I'd be all over it. Now, Anthony can be a chucker, but he also is able to rein in some of what he does. He can shoot, he can score, he's got balls, he's the best post-game interview in the NBA. But he's going to get hurt on this team. It is slim, it is absolutely ripe to get him for nothing in a trade, and in a dice league also, because it's a shit situation. They lose value. But if they are moved on from, and I do the same with Jalen Suggs. I still think Suggs can be a very good player. He was the fifth overall pick two years ago. I don't think we should be giving up on him. But those additions of Black and Howard absolutely drop the value. And even with Fultz, it drops their value. I think that DeAndre Ayton and Bradley Beal uh, lose value. Ayton becomes the fourth offensive option. He hates being in Phoenix. They're not trading him. We'll see what Frank Vogel does there. But he's never getting the ball. He doesn't block shots. He never gets to the line. He doesn't take threes. He's going to grab rebounds and score for 12 points. Maybe not 12, but he loses value. He already lost it last season. He's going to lose it again. Has to. And Beal is going to go from being the number one option to the number three option. And that hurts. That hurts him. Now, I probably should have had Devin Booker on the winner's list. He's going to play a lot more point guard. And that's going to push him maybe to be a top 10 player. But I think Beal, I'm not sure Beal's a top 50 guy next season. He was barely that this year. I think he was about 40th. And he's going to lose usage. And he's, you know, is his shooting going to improve? Maybe, but maybe not. So I think he's a loser too. I also think Chris Paul loses tons. He went from Phoenix where he had struggled. He went to Washington with, oh, is he going to be their starter? And now he goes to Golden State where he's almost definitely a backup and almost no chance he's playing 30 minutes a night. 
I would say 25, 26, keep him healthy for the playoffs. Otherwise, you're going to go Paul, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond. Is that the lineup you're going with a lot? You will, and they'll do it. But Paul's not going to play 33 a night. He loses tons, and I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure he's going to be a top 100 player this season. It's helpful for the Warriors if they reduce him, but it's not good for fantasy. If we go to Portland, I think that Anthony Simons has to be a loser. With the big caveat that I don't know what's happening. I don't know how you can keep Lillard, Scoot, Simons, and Sharp all together on the same team. But with the way the team currently sits, Simons' value is plunging. He usually plays way better when Lillard is gone. But now, if Lillard is gone, well, Scoot is there. And Sharp should be replacing Simons at some point in the future. I guess they could play together. But Simons has put up some okay numbers on some very bad teams in the last couple of years. I just don't think he's necessarily this great long-term prospect. And now there's a gigantic crunch going on in terms of minutes there in the backcourt. Lots can still happen. But what if Lillard is traded to Miami and the guy that comes back is Tyler Hero? Well, that doesn't actually change your crunch of roster spots and Hero would play over Simons. So it's really, I think drafting Scoot there, while 100% the best decision for the franchise, it's terrible for Simons as it is. Now, if he was able to go to another team, value can rise back up. But at the way things stand, it's bad. And the other one is the painter Matisse Thibel, who was starting, playing 30 minutes a night, most nights after he came across in the trade. It was complete junk time situation, but I don't think he's going to be that guy this year. They might look to bring someone else in. Chris Murray could come for his spot. Jeremy Grant might play the three or the four, depending on what other guys they get in free agency. They might play Lillard, Simon Sharp, or Scoot Simon Sharp as the one, two, three. There is zero way that I can see Thibel being a 30-minute-a-night player on this. And he's still a restricted free agent. Does he even come back or not? I just don't think, again, you look at the team and they go, we didn't go, we set it with Matisse Thibel. There's so many other ways that he can be replaced there. So that is how I see winners and losers from the NBA draft and the transactions that have happened. A big reminder that so much can change. I just think it's an idea to get a lay of the land of how things have gone down so far and how we're viewing them and my thoughts. And take my thoughts with a large grain of salt, but understand where the reasoning comes from and why I see things the way I see them. That is all, and I will always preach it. You never just listen to what I say blindly. Understand why I said something. If you're going to disagree with it, have an idea why you're disagreeing or how you see things playing out. And that is totally okay because I'm going to be wrong. Lots of times. I'm going to be right as well, but I'm going to be wrong. And so are you. And thinking about why and how and where the perspectives come from is very, very important. Like, do I love giving Derek White a Dutch rudder? Absolutely. So I'm always going to be a little bit higher on him. But then at times I can be lower on him because then I try to pull back on that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it. Anyway, I think you know what I'm talking about. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up, leave your comments down below. Hey, and if you've got an idea for a show tomorrow, Drop it in the comments here on YouTube too or tweet it at me. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.